Just because you're in the audience doesn't mean you're not co-creating an experience and becoming inspired by those people and how they live. And it's the same thing for an audience. Like there's so many times where I was brought to tears on stage when like we'd be in Russia and someone would like light a flare off during one of our songs, which is like so illegal in the US. And <laughs> also hyper emotionally charged in that you're like, oh. But that like gives me chills thinking about it. always collaborating at all times with the universe. So, dude, I don't even know where to start. Honestly, like I, I was thinking the whole time on the way down here, uh, both since I've been here and we talked about having you on and uh, and then immediately on the drive here, it was like a lot more like focused. I was like, what are we talking about? I was like, honestly, I don't even want to stress it. Like I, all the conversations we've ever had have been really, really, I felt like grounding and balancing and fruitful in some way or not. I always leave with something that I'm like, I think about for a while. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to thank you for letting me into your house. And uh, well, thanks for making the trip. Great to see you again. It's been years and we've spent years together. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's so funny is it's been so many years since we've actually like spent significant time together. So this even this kind of feels like a one off. But those are like little vacations. Those are like day trip vacations where you can really kind of like just reminisce and enjoy. Yeah. So I figured um, in the spirit of that, I think about all the things that you've accomplished since the last time we were together. And uh and we can tell tell that experience a little bit. I just remember you having to shower immediately after you got off stage. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, like you're somebody that like I've never felt uncomfortable being vulnerable with, and you see me in some super vulnerable positions. So it's really funny to, that like uh, in my era of sort of like shirking that kind of stuff and not trying to carry it with me is this thing that like I should remember forever and like think about in the shower and at 2 a.m. when I can't go to sleep. Uh, yeah, it's just nice I'm to see you. With you. Yeah. Haunting. <laughs> Lurking. Um, but so, yeah, so the last time I saw you, we you were at a show and you guys were playing a show in Philly. And I think I was coming from New York from some like martial arts video shoot or something like that. And I just remember it being a quick drive. I was like, I want to hit them up and see if they, if they have guest list spots available. They do all swing through. If not, I'll go home. No big deal. And uh, you and everybody were like, yeah, yeah, swing through, swing through. And then, um, but since that night, we had the you've released books. And that was like the thing that really kind of, like it was funny to see that you were doing it. Like I remember like the progression, like the start of it, whenever I was starting to get the ruminations of it, like circling around and uh, you were posting about it and what the experience was like. And I, it kind of, uh, when you pay attention to another artist's journey, I feel like it's really easy to fall back in love with the process. Cause you're like, oh yeah, maybe I'm overthinking it because mm. they're just doing this thing that seems like it's very much so a part of who they are and what they should be doing. And, uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the book, if we could, like yeah, yeah, please. where it came from, like what a little bit of what the process was like, like I feel, so the podcast uh, is called Collaborate and uh, the, you know, the spirit of it obviously like is not meant to be mean hearted or harsh or anything like that. But the, the reality is I think that, you know, we were talking before we started rolling today about the process of you being like, oh, I think I want to. How, you know, to build out the team a little bit because it gets to a point where you're like, no man is an island and I'm not maybe, I'm maybe making the perfect, the enemy of the good and not getting things out. And so that, that can be a real vice. And I think it's a lot of trouble that other artists of all kinds deal with. And so your experience, I feel like I'm really excited to hear about. So like, just walk me through it. Like where, where did like the book writing concept, like come, like where did it come from for you? Like mm -hmm. when, when did that start to like sort of pop into your brain as something that you were going to work on and start doing? Um, it was a kind of question that I wondered if I could actually do, right? So I was wondering if I could hold a thought together for longer than <laughs> a paragraph. And it was a bit of a test just to see if I could bring it to fruition. 
And in that process, obviously, like any process, you learn so many different things. Um, you fail a bunch of times, you fall on your face, you also have a bunch of successes. And with this, it was, it was a reflection of really those yoga classes that I was leading before the shows for years. Yeah, I think about that all the time. Yeah, yeah, so I, I was doing that for like, I think about five-ish years before I started even thinking about writing a book. And I, what I wanted to do is have something that I could offer to others, even if I physically wasn't present. And a lot of the stuff that was written in the books was based upon trial by fire with people at, before the shows. Yeah. So I would try different techniques. We would share stories. We were talking about goal setting, um, mental health, all this fun stuff. And I kind of nerd out in, in like the self-help world. And I wanted to kind of put my own, you know, rock and roll spin on it slightly with a bunch of tour stories and right. yeah, for meanings sure. I've drawn from experiences. And, uh, and so then I sat down and, and synchronistically I got connected with um, an editor and tried to go the traditional publishing route and just kind of hit a wall with that and realized, you know, the band's whole persona was DIY, so why would I expect anything right. else? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, but how am I gonna cop out now, right? Right, right. So, so then I just decided, you know, I'm just gonna self-publish this. I had a couple other people in my corner that um, helped guide me through that process, and now I've been able to do it, I guess, four times and created bestsellers on each of them through Amazon, which has been really fun. And, and I, I can definitely say, is it dangerous? Is it like lightly or gently stroke the ego a little bit in a way that you're like, no, 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 I don't need that flame right now? Kind of. It's For me, it's more like you're getting a business card to speak upon, kind of like uh, you give yourself credibility, right? Because right. I think a lot of us wonder, can I write a book? Am I can bullshit? I, yeah. Like, <laughs> is my story worthy of sharing? Right, right, right. And I can affirm that your story is not not yours, it's for other people to experience and learn and grow from. Yeah. So in that, it separates the ego and makes it not about you. So you can write about your experiences, which I think is important for anyone, because it's like journaling. Right. And when you write about your experiences, you can never be wrong, which makes it a little bit easier when you're writing, because you don't have to worry about doing all the fact check and like the research <laughs> right, and right, like right. That. So when you're sharing about yourself, if you share about your experiences, you're never wrong. And that also helps you to separate from the ego when you're thinking about what situations and experiences in life have created meaning for you and yeah. how you became who you are. And so writing the books for me is kind of like, you know, this like, is what shaped me. <laughs> is that, that, that mixed with like a journaling, a journaling exercise that I eventually just chose to publish. And, and then with the whole packaging of kind of a, you are the rock star, you are empowered to be right. the king, the queen of your life, just in the format of being a rock star, because I think we, we tend to have an illusory um, perspective when it comes to someone on a stage, whether it's right, you know, right, right. any rock and roll guy or girl or person or athlete or anyone who is performing in any level, we kind of put on a, on a stage figuratively in our mind, not just a literal one. And, and so I really wanted to remind people, and it's kind of like the thread that's woven throughout, that you, know, you are that person in every moment you are offered an opportunity to step on the stage as that rock star. Right. It's really like kind of like almost like an exercise in getting people to see that like you have to show up for yourself and like embody that a little bit. Totally. I remember, uh, I, don't remember I think it was, uh, it was the front man from Less Than Jake. I remember being in like Warped Tour one of the summers and he, one of the things he said that really stuck with me is the only difference between me and you, he was like saying it to the crowd. He was like, the only difference between me and you is about 10 feet. And mm -hmm. I was like, 
it's such a like silly, seems like a trite statement, but it's like, that's so true because when you're the artist, you don't think about it from the, I don't think there's ever going to be a time where you don't, you're not human to you, you know, like you're still enduring everything. But when people feel like you're removed from it, they somehow feel in the same way that people think that when you go after your dreams, eventually you catch it and that's it. Like you never write, you never write the song or the book that you're like, all right, I'm satisfied. Check. I guess now I just chill. Like that's my existence. It's like you have a thing, like a sole purpose to kind of, you are always kind of ascribing to go after. Mm. And, uh, and it's, we, I feel like we're, I don't know if it's a Western thing, Western world thing or what it is, but we kind of like diminish it a little bit where it's like, and it's in, hard. In which format, like in the format of <laughs> diminishing your gift or like d- diminishing kind of the idea of having something to give? That, yeah. both, honestly, truly. Like, I mean, it's a matter of thinking, yeah, when you're not sure whether or not your gift is worth giving. Mm. And uh, one of the conversations that kind of keeps coming up through this is, uh, and, and my buddy Jason said it on the, the first episode that I filmed was, you know, you have to give yourself permission to to create and not worry about what's what the outcome is. Like, that's not what it's there for. And it's a, it's weird that we kind of bottleneck it a little bit with some, I don't know, some sort of not everybody, but some people bottle it in a way where like it never fully gets out because they're afraid of the vulnerability or something like that. And really all of it's vulnerable, like just breathing and living on this planet. We're in a, <laughs> giant space rock like going how fast in space like it's all a risk like what part aren't you getting and uh yeah i don't know i just feel like the fact that you kind of humanize the experience for i, I haven't gotten to read any of the books so i'm really looking forward to diving into it but You'll i, I, I kind of whole trilogy today <laughs> i can't wait sign my mm-hmm. yeah like a shadow box i put it on my wall uh i know him uh yeah i, I think about when I, I kind of knew what it was going to be about, I just haven't gotten to have the experience myself. So I'm looking forward to that. And the cool thing about it is, uh, you know, number three, or three-time bestseller, like that's really, like that is an accolade. And like I got an Emmy in 2019 and like I say it, but I'm like, yeah, but I got to pay for my trophy. So like how much do I really give a shit about this mm-hmm. thing that I guess is an accolade? And, uh, you know, and eventually I will. Like I can always fill out the order form whenever, but I'm like, okay, but it hasn't changed who I am. It doesn't like alter like my perception of everything and what I'm going through in life, you know, emotionally and socially and on my artist adventure, you know, that journey is like its own journey. And, and then the fact that they all kind of like overarchingly like tie into the main journey, which is the, the thing you have for the balance that you're trying to find in your life between that and love and family and all the other things. And I've always enjoyed, even just from like afar, even when we weren't seeing each other, like, seeing your post when you connect with your family and you go back, you back home for like the winter or something like that or for, you know, vacation or a holiday. I'm like, I always loved how close you were with your family. You were mm-hmm. always so close and so not just close, but like invested. And, uh, I remember, are you still, can I speak about, I can cut this if we have to, but the Freemasonry, are you still mm-hmm. involved with that? Yeah. I didn't know if that's like, I don't know how close to the Illuminati you we are. We can talk about like, it, but I'll just have to kill you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure, 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 <laughs> sure, sure, sure. It's not a live no, stream. So like all you gotta do is take that hard drive. Uh, yeah, but I remember being in the like middle bench of the van or whatever, the futons on the floor, Travis cozied up against a, you know, a corner, just like I would passed out or pillow in pillow land on the floor. And, uh, you just, you were always like reading or writing. I have like very specific <laughs> memories of ordering like Starbucks drinks and, and go, jumping right in the back seat, And like, you know, you got your little holster that is yours for wherever you're sitting and then watching you like writing stuff and always like reading and always doing, you were never like not challenging yourself to explore and, and kind of think outside the box. Mm. So what do you think is uh, the, I guess like the best takeaway from like the, 
I want to break down like book by book. Like the first book, you did you have them all written as three ready to go from the start? You were planning on writing the trilogy and then you released them one at a time? Hmm, good question. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> you had to start with one. And right. like there was the amount the amount of doubt that exists in just writing one, one. Is, is enough to you know choke you for a while. Um, so once that's out and you realize that you can do it and it is possible, then you start to wonder, you know, what else is possible? Because now you know the process. And the next time, most likely you'll be able to do it more effectively, faster. And not that it's about getting it done faster, but you just experience the process. Already. There's learning in the repetition, definitely. Like, and, and you don't have to fail as many times. because you, Right. You've <laughs> you pointed out the potholes along the way. Right. right. So I... It kind of just turned into a thing because I chose to explore, which which when, when you were just sharing, I, I can kind of see that coming up a lot is that it's like this choice of creating is, is really important to remember because if we fall out of it, which I'm guilty of, I think it's part of being human, we fall right. out of it, we're, we're operating from a place of having to create and not getting to create. Yeah. And, and, and so as soon as we get into the like having to create, um, unless we can get into like a mechanical machine, like creative mindset, which I don't necessarily, at least for me, it doesn't like create the most like heart centered, authentic yeah. work. Um, but un unless we can get into this like mindset, then there's this, uh, remembering, I think we need to, we need to honor that. It's like, okay, cool. Every day I'm choosing to do this. And in that act, it's empowering. Yeah. So, so instead of thinking you have to do it or all, all these like heavy burdensome things, yeah, you get to show up and create something that really it's like, it's a divine act. Like yeah. creating is a divine Just showing act. up. Yeah. Like yeah. just showing up and do it. Even when you're like, I, I, Jason does this thing. It's like an exercise, a good friend of mine, uh, where he's like, I'm going to write a song that sucks. Like I want to write a song that absolutely sucks today. That's my goal. And like when you just eliminate all the, you know, the preconceived notion of what you got to do and how much you got to put in, what the bar's got to be at, like you can kind of get back in touch with that authentic part of yourself that just does it. Yeah. Well, and if we do it a lot, so, so if he was writing, okay, I'm, my intention is to like, to try and write a song that sucks. Well, that's an opinion based question. So <laughs> right, you know, right, right, so right. Someone could think it's great. Someone could think it sucks. But if you get into the repetition of creating each day and like for me with these books, it was just setting aside time every day to write. And I would do a thousand words a day was my goal for like so many days until I had enough to send to my editor. And then we really start going into it. But music's the same. The parallels all are creative, all creative things are the same. It's kind of, I think a muscle. And when you write a ton, sometimes the stuff sucks. Yeah. yeah, music, yeah. They can't all be bangers. Yeah. But then, <laughs> but then you all of a sudden have a whole bunch of stuff to choose from. But also you have a whole bunch of stuff to kind of like get into that repetition of this is just what I choose to do every day. Yeah. And I think there's magic in that because we have to have ways of processing our experiences. And it doesn't matter if we're like, like I said, we're like, if we're doing music or if we're writing or if we're painting or if we're going for a run, it's, it's literally all create creation, right? Like some yeah. people are creating families. Some people are creating other, like, <laughs> like they're creating humans and other people are creating songs. Maybe people are doing both there's no limit to what we're creating because we're creating an experience every day. Mm -hmm. But just remembering that like we have that power is super important. So, so this way we don't fall into that trap of thinking that like, you know, we have to do all these things. I'm not saying there isn't going to be things that suck that you don't want to do. Of course we have to do stuff. Yeah. That's a part we of the process. To, we have to remember the importance of, of showing up and choosing to do what it is that we do. Right? Yeah, like, definitely. I, I definitely agree. Uh, one of the quotes that we were talking about Rick Rubin before we started, uh, I've got this long drive home, so I'm going to get the, get, get the audible and then get to jam it for six, nice. seven hours on the way home. That's awesome. I, 
uh, yeah, but the space in between to reflect on certain chapters, I feel like I'm going to, it's probably going to be there. I'm not going to finish it, I don't think. Uh, but he said something that I actually included a little audio tag for in my intro for my, uh, for the podcast. And it really, it's like one of those things when you hear it, you're like, I know that to be true. And he said, we're always collaborating at all times with the universe. And, and that if you think about what the implications of that are, you're like, oh yeah, like, I mean, I'm influenced by everything. What makes it into my music is, is not only music influenced. It comes from like the other nine times out of 10, like the more audibly or not audibly, uh, the more, you know, tangibly visceral experiences you go through as a human being and, you know, processing your shame and feeling proud of yourself mm. and, you know, finding, you know, the energy and the drive and, you know, every, and that's why we love music so much. I feel like everybody's like, Oh, what are you listening to? I'm like, honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. Cause like right now it's, it's mood based. It's like whatever I think is serving to like uplift me. And I've been like more mindful about the kind of music that I digest too. As I get older, I'm like, yeah, that feeling musically is fun, but what are you saying? I probably shouldn't like be really diving into that. I don't feel that way. I just like this other thing about it. And, you know, as a musician, you know, every, you go to a show and it's kind of like homework. You like something you saw somebody else do and you want to find a way to incorporate your own version of that or express yourself in a way. Like, mm. it's just so interesting to observe art being expressed and, and the expressive arts, I guess. I guess they all are really, but like the physically expressive ones, not like the ones like, like paintings are different. Tattoos are different. Music is different. Mm -hmm. uh, film, different. But all of these parallels between all of them that are so overlapped because they all are that act of choosing and creating and and it, i guess it, it's more funneled into an artistic direction but it's, it's still all creating it is it's it's all creating and what's kind of coming through for me in this moment at least recently too is that like a lot of times i'll be doing multiple things like i'll be you know walking the dog listening to a podcast or i'll be doing yoga listening to music or you know, doing that classic multitask yeah, and, yeah. and I'm always doing something. And so this coach that I work with, she encouraged me when I was looking for a little bit more direction recently in regards to like how I want to create, she told me to do nothing. And I remember being a little bit confused as to, you know, like do nothing. You know, I can't do nothing. Like that's just like irresponsible, right? <laughs> right, right. Like, you know, being like an entrepreneur, being a creative, yeah. like we have to constantly be going. And what she had told me was that like you're exhausting your ability to choose and to create because you are not receptive to those subtle creative energies. Yeah. And if we are always doing something and never taking the time to do nothing, to get inspired, to be open, then we're going to essentially self-sabotage and find ourselves drained and unable to create the way that we want, whether it's just experiencing life or creating an art, like a specific art form. So I think it's really important to kind of sit with that idea of why we feel as though we always have to be doing something. If we're driving, listening to YouTube videos, if we're, you know, one thing, like if you're working out and you're listening to music always, do you ever take time to just sit or just to be? Because it can be uncomfortable if our thoughts yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, like, sure. if, if we're Have not you sat alone in the room with yourself ever, right? Sometimes scary. <laughs> it can be because a lot of stuff can come up. And right. especially if, if you know, like the internal world is not a comfortable place or maybe who you are in this moment, is not someone like you're really happy with, but that, that's like, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's right. just, it's just building the relationship you have within yourself. So in a way, like you're talking about Rick Rubin talking about collaboration, like, you're collaborating with yourself, I think. Yeah. Right? So like you're learning to collaborate with yourself, but you're, you're learning also in a way to, to have a conversation. And so this way you can open up because I, I really do believe that the internal world is reflective in the external world. So when, yeah. when our stuff 
even if it's just from your perspective, I feel like your perspective can shift. The way you feel inside can be the way you view the world externally. And and that's not always necessarily true. So it's like that duality there is really important to be aware of. Mm, mm, Yeah, well, like with our consciousness, thinking about how we perceive things changes how they essentially come into fruition, right? So if you were to think about having a positive relationship with yourself, doing the work, going through the uncomfortable stuff, being being willing to sit in a room or sit with your thoughts or whatever you gotta do. Whatever, yeah, whatever you think. The more that we do that, I feel like we collaborate not only with ourselves, we're collaborating with source, which would be like God, universal energy, whatever you wanna consider it. Because I really think since, you know, like above and below, it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're like working on the internal stuff, the external stuff, it becomes kind of one with that. And if this stuff is really uncomfortable, then like, unfortunately, a lot of the external stuff is going to be really uncomfortable too. And right. it's, it, it's not a matter of, oh no, I'm not far enough along in my journey or, oh no, I'm doing something wrong because I'm not at this level. Right. Like it feels like that. I it's mean, like it, judging someone's art. You can't, you can't right. really. like you can have an opinion on it. And it's just yours. That's just what it is. And so wherever you are, it's not, it's not about being so far ahead or so far behind. It's just a matter of being where you are and being willing to sit with that so that you can create a relationship yeah not only within but like with everything because that's just i think you we're, we're a part of nature and if we want to create a life create a painting create an artwork we have to surrender into that a little bit more and and get out of all the hustle bustle have to be constantly you know influxing information learning doing all these things we have to be also experiencing yeah i think so not too long ago this year actually this year since the pandemic i started uh flirting with the idea of doing stand-up and so nice. Uh, I thought I was going to be this thing where I'm like, okay, I've got all these stories and memories and now I just got to get this skill set kind of honed in a little bit. And then if I make that jump, um, I'm going to do that also. And it's going to be a consistent thing. And then in doing it, I realized, oh, you know what? Like this takes time for it to be a really, uh, to get to the divine side of the art that's like authentic in you. And uh, I didn't want to just be just telling stories and just trying to find ways to be like, funny in a moment like mm-hmm. to me I think what I find funny in life are, are the things that I've observed and they say like you're, you know great comedy comes from great tragedy usually and uh so I'm like okay I, I I got over my hurdle of feeling like I was worthy of giving it the attempt and in doing it I was like oh yes this is I awakened a dragon like I want to be dealing with this one for a <laughs> while because I really love it. it it speaks to an authentic part of me and this podcast is also a part of that and I got to a point where I was like you, sometimes you can feel like you're spreading yourself thin because you're weighing all these different things that are all in your mind. Mm-hmm. And if you take strip it down to like the three things that you're doing, they're just three different expressions and all those can be true and capable of existing at the same time. Like you got to time manage and, and kind of navigate through it. But one of the things I realized was I'm not going to be able to just sit down and do this full tilt. Like I usually, like I do everything else because I'm like, it really requires you to find a moment and then sit in that moment and find a way to express that moment. Not just saying what you want to say, but saying it exactly how you want to say it. Mm. And and then even then you might come up with this like detailed expression that you're going with that doesn't quite hit the crowd the same way you want it to. And so that's a fun experience too. And I, I used to think the comedy was just writing the good joke, getting up there, getting the laughs and walking off. Obviously I, I didn't, pragmatically I knew that was not the case, but um, there's this fear of going up there and bombing. And really it's like, you got to embrace that suck because that is literally a strong part of the process is finding out where this thing does work and where it doesn't work. Does this tag hit as hard as I think it does? Or should I, mm-hmm. should I pull it? Is it just something I thought was funny? And then I'm really observing through this small case study that I do every time I give it a go, uh, and being like, okay, yeah, I need to pull that. It's not really as funny mm-hmm. as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you're testing. Yeah. In a way. And like with the books, 
I found myself with a group that I, I formulated on Facebook and I just created a group that said, I was like, okay, cool. We're going to meet on this day on a zoom call at this time. And if you want to hear a couple chapters from the new book, just sign on. And I ended up having like a small nucleus that would meet every week for a number of weeks while I was writing all of these. And they were kind of my like test group to where I got to see how yeah, your litmus test. You're able to see how it's kind of, yeah. is this thing, does this resonate? Is this, yeah. which, this, which I would recommend not only for anyone writing a book, but for doing anything. Um, but well, there's that purest mentality, right? You're afraid that if you don't do it all by yourself, you didn't really, sometimes it's, you didn't, you feel like you didn't earn it. Yeah. And then sometimes you like in some I know people that are like, Oh, I don't want to work with other people on the actual art itself, because then it's not authentically me. It's like, yeah, but some, it's just influence. You're just allowing there to be, you're just asking yourself, you're giving yourself permission to do it. And then you're giving somebody else permission to come in and be a part of the influence. And that influence can actually be a, a catalyst that lets you spark more of yourself into right. something. Right. Well, we think we make things better. I think when we collaborate, Yeah, right? certainly. because we get to play around with the ideas. And then we also get to see how things like you said with the jokes, how they're impacting people. So therefore somebody could, could reflect back and say, Hey, this was really confusing. I didn't understand what you were talking about. And then, Oh, okay, cool. I'm gonna go right. 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 Um, or you can be like, Oh, actually I got lost here. Or this is just like something I don't like or something that I love this. Definitely keep this. And then you can use that feedback and then incorporate it into the the art form you want. For me, it was the books, which I would recommend anyone writing definitely to have kind of a, a support group in that format, even if it's just a couple people. Um, you could do it in front of a mirror, which would be great too, just to read your chapters out loud because that's helpful. Yeah. But it, it's it's something else when you're reading it to people because yes. then you're like, you're reading it and you're reading it while, while you're doing it. <laughs> you're, you're observing. Like, you're like, oh, that sounded so weird. I got to change this paragraph <laughs> and change that. And like, oh, wow, I just, I should just cut this chapter altogether. Right. And it also can keep you from maybe being like overly neurotic with yourself and being like, ah, this isn't that good. And somebody, will, I mean, that's the experience I get. I'm like, ah, I don't love this. And people are like, oh, actually, like that was kind of one of my favorite parts. And I'm like, oh, like right now I'm kind of like betaing these podcast episodes. So like I'll send one out to, I sent one to Kenan, for example, to check out. And he was like, oh man, you said this thing. And he's another person who creates and not that I'm looking for the validation, but I, I trust his understanding of the artistic expression and that experience as well. Mm -hmm. And when you have that small group of people that are kind of your, 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 you know, your focus group really. Yeah. Um, and I value his opinion. You can really get some like critical feedback. That's mm -hmm. not critical against your work, but critical in that you really need to have that feedback so that you can be confident moving forward and, and exploring yeah. and do it. Play is like the big part of it. I think that you said it, like you said it once and immediately I was like, Oh yeah, play. Like I don't necessarily need it to be work all the time. Like sometimes playing with it is just as fun. And neurologically we know, um, that, when you're, you do those kind of like five minutes of 10 minutes of play where you're doing something that's ridiculous. Maybe you you found something on the floor and you want to <laughs> try to hacky sack it or something, just something innocuous really. But it, what it does is it kind of wakes your brain up in a way that is waking specifically creative synapses because it's forcing you to think outside of this routine yeah. that you kind of sometimes build for yourself. Shift, shift your energy, change it up. But it's good that you're in this place where you can write in a window of time mm -hmm. and then you know, cap that and be like, okay, now I'm going to go back to experiencing life. Like I'm able to, I need more experiences to draw from to really kind of hone in on whatever, the, you know, what book two becomes about. Yeah. And I, I'm I was just really thoroughly impressed whenever I saw that you were uh, taking that route and, and writing a book. And I, you know, I, everything you do that's new is kind of daunting in its own right in the first place. But this is in a way where you're specifically trying to put yourself out there and, and be helpful. Yeah. And you know, like the fear could be, uh, maybe what do I, what right do I have to help anybody? Like, can any of us really help ourselves? Like that kind of a thing. But it, the more you put out there and the more 
it can reach people that need it when they do. Like you'll see the impact as long, I mean, you've seen it for music for years too. Mm. You know, you go places and you're taking pictures like with people that are there because you've given them something that has really moved them and, uh, or, you know, maybe centered them or maybe motivated them or any of those things that are genuinely agreed to be positive and uplifting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like what's important is the intention behind what you're creating, I think. Certainly. Because that's going to breed the, uh, the that's going to breed cre- the, the connection that you create when you are in that process. So, right, it's like, what's the intention of showing up to play live? Well, like, I want to give everyone the best experience they possibly can. I want to leave them in their heart. I want to leave them high vibe, wondering why the fuck they feel so good. And they don't even know. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. eye contact, singing along, connection, all those things. And and with the books, you know, it's it's different, right? It's a different modality, but I still wanted to leave people in their heart and leave people self-reflecting because I really just feel like that's part of life. It's not like about us. It's, it's about what we can like give to up level um, collectively as a consciousness. And I think that starts inward, right? So yes. when we ask the questions and we go inward, um, helping one person is worth it. If you can create a lot of people changing, asking questions, having dialogue, discourse, all sorts of stuff, then you start to lift up and you kind of get the butterfly effect in a way to where like maybe somebody reads one of the books and gets impacted by one of the ideas and then shares it with one person who shares it with 10 people who and and it's not even about me it's just like the idea of hey i want to have a better relationship with myself hey my my mental health is important hey i want to take care of my body hey i want to be a badass i want to be a rock star right like taking these ideas and just making them your own is like, it's just so important because it comes back to the intention of, of why we share. And I really just want to share because I want everyone to uplift and feel in their heart and be reminded of that, this, this idea that we're all part of the same thing. Like we're all part of this collective consciousness. And as we rise, we rise together. And that sometimes means we got to deal with some dark shit, but it is what it is. If we can do it together and we can inspire others, then it, you know, it, just to make the world a little bit of a better place than we found it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have always, that I, I've always noticed this about you, just the most chill dude in the room, especially in that circle. In the music circle, obviously, okay. it's easier to stand out as, like, the chill guy. But, I mean, I remember thinking, meeting people that I thought were probably really off balance in their own personal lives that would gravitate towards you in a really honest and earnest way. Like, I, I just remember certain people on certain tours we were with. Yeah. Being like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this yoga thing with Woody. Like, I'm gonna give it a go. And like, they mm. felt when people feel safe enough to be vulnerable, you know, you've tapped into something that mm. is like real, real pure and close to the human experience. And it's and it's as we already agree, it's like a very vulnerable thing in the first in the first place. So to see that kind of stuff manifest in in our day to day, especially when you're on tour and you're like, oh, I'm so tired and I just can't wait to get Starbucks and like, <laughs> this yeah. is like ten hour drive tonight. Like, it's easy to get caught up in the, the things that are. I mean, you have bitchy moments when you're on tour. You're like, I'm just not having a good fucking time. I want to be home. Like, yeah. this sucks. It's cold. <laughs> like, you, and, and you can lose it. You can lose your balance really quickly. I remember being in certain spots where you're like. <laughs> Bro, I just got to go somewhere where I can get some actual fucking nutrients in me. Like, I'm tired of eating this dog shit food when we get out of the venue. Wendy's at night. Like, I can't do it to myself. I can't do it. And seeing you kind of have these, like, put your foot down moments. Like, I'm not going to fucking, I'm not going to make myself feel like this. They were powerful in these very subtle ways where I was like, yeah, man, fuck, it is really important to make sure I'm actually getting some nutrients in me. Like, maybe I'm going to get some sushi today. Maybe I'm going to, like, sushi and chipotle were, like, the two easiest ways to get, like, nutrient-dense foods in your diet. And you just to see you make that conscious effort all the time to better yourself. You know, physically you were doing yoga and eating right, trying to you know at least as best you could. Trying, trying. I mean, I had that that question come to me 
in, in like a meditation a long time ago, just, you know, how do I expect to perform at a high level consistently on tour, let's say for months on end, right? if, if I'm putting in crap in my right. body. And, you know, of course, the level of crap is kind of up for negotiation, depending on what your lifestyle is like and what your diet is like. And <laughs> whether and, you're practicing moderation. And or... that's totally fine. And I, I know there's probably some amazing performers and singers there actually are that like, you know, have awful diets and they can still sing and like perform and do all their things. I just always wanted to be able to perform at my highest because I made an agreement with myself that no matter what, if there was one person, if it was 5,000 people, I was going to perform with everything I had. And for me to do that, it meant that I had to take care of myself or else yep. I was giving something that I didn't have. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. you are at like 50%, but you're giving that 50% and that's cool. I just wanted to always be at the highest that I could, jumping around stage, flipping my guitar and really connecting deeply with people that were there. Yeah, I mean, we certainly did a good job of that. <laughs> like, and, and the yoga classes pre-show and like at like post sound check or whatever on all the different places, like when you started doing that, um, I think you got some some flack for it. Like people were like, "Oh, what's he doing now?" And it's like, "Yeah, but what he's how do you not see that? Like what he's doing is clearly something that is sparking something else in him. Like I can see that this greater thing was coming for you, and you were embracing it, and you were you were letting you were like so unabashedly not afraid to take the challenge on and try this thing. You're like I, your attitude was just like, "Yeah, maybe it sucks, maybe it doesn't, maybe it goes well, maybe people show up, maybe they don't, whatever. Like I'm just gonna do it because I want to do it, and I need to see where that experience leads me." I'm definitely not super afraid of falling on my face. I think because I've done it so many times, literally with a guitar and a backflip at my school and high school, falling on my face, literally. Roll the clip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I think it's just a big experiment. And like, that's yeah. the way that I really look at it. And that's the way I looked at doing the yoga classes too, was that um, it was all just a big experiment. And I really wanted to see what would happen when somebody invested in their fan base, the way that their fan base invested in them. And, I and you were kind of an early adopter in that because that was in a realm where like the music industry itself was kind of in a focus on just blasting people with whatever it is we think they want and not really giving them an authentic experience. It's like you can't just throw music videos at people and be like, oh, yeah, now connect with this band. It's like, true. who are people they? People like, know what they want. Right? Yeah, for so, sure. So, so you're literally throwing darts yeah. in the dark, hoping that you hit the board. Like, I just kind of had a feeling, too, that I would find people that resonated with me. I mean, I think when you do stuff, you create the opportunity for people to step into a certain energy. And if they're meant to be there, they will be there. Right. And that's just the bottom line. And so the experiment of holding the space for other people to come explore things and you know it, it, it was the the label of yoga but like even doing a retreat in South Africa like I did a couple of years ago it was labeled as like a yoga retreat but it was an experience right. I led I led optional yoga classes but we were doing sharing circles we were doing qigong we were like talking connecting going on drives to see wildlife it was just it was an experience and and yeah. so that's really what I wanted to offer people was more of like an alternative because Music is so profound that it transcends language and it connects us all. At the same time, if you're having a panic attack or if you are having an anxiety attack or something is roughing you up, you won't always have your headphones or your music to throw on right. really quickly. So part of the experiment for me was like, well, what if I invest in these people in the form of actual tools I've found that helped me. Yeah, protocols for like good breathing techniques and yeah. just things that can like help get you back to what is should be your baseline. It's easy that, you know, and this, we got like the world predominantly focused on like social media and TikTok. And it's, it's really easy to fall into this trap of not living your, uh, your own life authentically because you feel like you have to, I guess, be perceived through the lens that you want to be perceived to really be living it that way. And it's such an ass backwards way of being like, yeah, I got to 
project an image through this lens so that you can think that that's how I live when I'm clearly not because I wouldn't have to put it through a lens. Yeah. And one of the things that Kenan said that he really liked about, he started doing these vlogs on YouTube um, to kind of discuss more of like the video editing, motion graphics side of his world, like his professional career. And he was like, you know, we kind of fed off of each other. He was like, you know, the fact that you weren't going to do this podcast, like got me excited to kind of do my own thing. And then he launched his episodes and I'm sitting here with a back catalog of eight right now being like making the perfect, the enemy of the good, certainly. And uh, so like with, him, he was like, you know, when you're one of the things you're doing that I'm not doing that in that feeding cycle of kind of learning and growing together is like the, this ex exploration that we're both taking simultaneously is he was like, you just are you. He's like, I could tell it was like, it was like having a conversation with you. It wasn't you trying to be somebody that you wanted to see people perceive you as it was you having these honest conversations about how you feel about these things. And he's like, yeah, it's good that the, the conversation points are good, but it's also the fact that it's coming through authentically that matters to yeah. me as a listener whenever, and that's, he's one subset type of per people to listen. But, yeah. um, you know, when you think of everybody as numbers and listeners and this, that, and the other thing, it's really quick. You can like dehumanize what you're really doing. And I mean, I definitely fell into that trap for a while. I think everybody, it's easy to do it, but the people in my life that have been creative and uplifting, uh, you really want to like tighten that circle. One of the things that Ken and I were talking about was doing like a retreat every year at this place in Colorado. That's like, 10,000, 11,000 you know, feet up in the, the air, like you're above the clouds, but you're in the mountains. And he was like, you know, we could go when I know that season is good and just make that a yearly retreat and just start small. Let's get like a few people we think should go and would be able to bring something to the experience and also take something home from it. Yeah. And so, you know, and I, I was like, yeah, let's build out the roster. So when I'm thinking of like, the people that I would want to invite that are just very much so capable of doing that and not, um, it's, it's easy when you have people that are kind of brash with their words or their understanding of things and that aren't uh, delicate and making, presenting things in some ways that are palatable, whether they're easily digestible or not, it's another thing, but like you should be able to parlay the information to somebody in a way that they can receive it in order, if you're trying to communicate effectively, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so if you could bring a group of people together that, like if we, uh, you know, thinking of our Illuminati, right? Like if we could put our powerhouse group of people together in a room and be like, how are we going to change the world? What are we doing individually? How can I help you? What, you know, what are some things that you can, sh you know, show me through like a sharing circle, for example, that's going to alter the way I'm going to operate in my life when I go back. Like that powerful exchange of energy that you don't think is that, but is always that. Mm. Uh, yeah. So if we, if we flush that out, you're going to have to be in that roster. Let me know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we got to put it together first. Um, so you, I saw you were doing, during the holidays, you were doing music too. Like you were starting to release, you did the, the Halloween 2 theme. Um, I did a Home Alone, yeah. Or yeah, yeah, Home Alone theme. theme. No, no, I get it. Uh, yes, uh, I just, it's been experimenting, right? So like that's what it's about. I think it's just the experimentation, like I said before, and I'm just doing it now in music because I've never done it um, for myself. And I've been finding that it's very um, cathartic because writing the books is that also, very self-reflective and helpful music makes my heart open it makes mm -hmm. my like this thing inside of me like set on fire <laughs> and and i've been so used to you know like i was never one who was like sole writer when it came to the band it was like you know like i'm i'm around really gifted people they create and like i contribute and throw a, i throw a little sauce in there <laughs> yeah, in the, the pot. Woody sauce and then what i what i live for is making it my own and connecting with people on stage right so like yeah. leaving people in their heart better than when I found them not knowing why they feel so good. And so, also a vital part of like what you need to have in your unit. Like that's a thing that you should, a grounding force in any 
group of people is a good thing to have for the yeah, group yeah. and for the experience you guys are putting forward. Yeah. So I was always kind of more about like the performance, right? Like I didn't live to be in the studio. Um, but in that regard, I never really like gave it my full attention to see what wants to come through me. Yeah. And, and what so, am I the vessel for? Yeah. And so that's what I've been taking some more time recently to do. And, um, kind of had this idea the other day <clears throat> that releasing a solo album could be on the horizon this year of, I like, I don't know what it would look like. I don't even know what it would be like, but I'm, I'm really, I'm <laughs> Is really, that not how you felt when you were starting to write a book? Totally. Like, totally. Like, I don't know the process. I would like to build a team of people to help me like film the videos and do social media stuff and everything. So I can really focus on creating. Um, but I've got a lot of great feedback from people that I love and, and honor their opinion, which I think is also important when we're creatives is like, Hey, let's think about the people that were taking their opinions and making them part of our own psyche because everyone's got one and not everyone's is valid for you, what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. It sure. can shut you down from doing anything. If you're like, sure. no, this person's going to talk shit or they're going to hate this or, or they're going to think this sucks. And like being around a lot of really opinionated people in the music industry, it's just what it is. Like you're opinionated. Sometimes it's inflated ego pushing ideas through the door. Sometimes it's just like you have a strong opinion because you're good at this or whatever yeah. reason. It's cool. But you know, you or you have a strong opinion just because it's worked that way for you and you're just kind of not trapped in that dogma, but maybe right. Like, yeah, you're, totally. like this is, this is what works. Like I know it works and you just need to trust and know that it works too and do it that way. It's like, and at the same time, you can't, you can't really deny that music has no bounds. Yeah. So it's so very like clear. The whole, there's no rhyme or cookbook to the thing. Like there's no right. process you can follow. Like nobody gets a free pass. And like, there's nobody who has like the chance of gaining the luck. It's not the lottery. Like you're not going to win your dreams. Like just by right. doing it, it's like your, your journey is going to be, it's going to paint a picture for you. Yeah. And you're going to see what that is in 10 years when you look back and see what all you've accomplished in that period, in that period of time. Totally. Totally. So, so I guess speaking on my own behalf really quickly, I'm just working on an offering. I'm working on deciding what it is that I want to offer to the world and going about that. Um, and maybe having like a menu where, where it's like, Hey, do you want me to lead a yoga class with music I created 100% because I've never seen somebody do that. Um, would you like me to maybe just play music for yoga class that somebody else leads? Or would you rather have me like actually perform on a stage and kind of have this like, you know, triple threat kind of thing that I can offer to conscious festivals or doing my own retreats. Oh yeah. And stuff. That's the other thing is like music has adopted so many different modalities for how you can express it and give it like, I remember the Warped were doing the silent disco days where like everybody's just in a room jamming with headphones. I was like, this is ridiculous. But then for people that have a really hard time with being in front of crowds and feeling like they're not able to take in the experience because they're uh, next to people and you've got this guy over here is puking because he drank all day. Or, you know, like every festival experience is different, certainly. But when you have, uh, you know, the ability to just kind of shut yourself out and kind of do your own thing, I was like, I, I talk shit so hard. The first time I saw it, I was like, they look so dumb. Look at these losers. And then like you go and you do it and you're like, oh, I get it. I was the loser. <laughs> like, yeah, like this is actually pretty cool and uh, a very forward thinking. And so like in that we create these all these different experiences within the music world. Um, I, a good friend of mine, Adam France, he's a tattoo artist, but he's also like a brilliant painter and does a lot of stuff in this uh, biomechanical world and and abroad, he's very psychedelic in, in nature in terms of like his his painting style. He was going to like festivals for I want to say like Bass Nectar or something like that, mm -hmm. and he would do these like painting exhibits like live, and like cool. he was brought out to these places to do it. He could you know set up and do these events over the weekend and auction mm. off the thing at the end, and maybe wow. it goes to charity or maybe it goes to the, and so when you think outside of the box and you're doing stuff like that, it's like 
I, I would never see, I wouldn't have thought of that idea, but just hearing it, I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm. That's, that's a perfect idea. Like that's the exact space where you want to do it. And whether they give you a stage or not, and you know, maybe you're on stage with the main act and you're doing yoga or something like that stuff happens because people are willing to observe it, let it happen and be a part of it. Let it be a part of their experience. Like mm. that's a, I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate so it. So what is the offering now? Is this something that you, is this, you write it down and treat it like a, you know, the offering, a titled document that I'm going to sit down and like detail um, out or. I don't know. It's not, I don't know yet, to be honest. I, I think it's still so much in the, in its infancy that it's really more about creating and learning how I want to share and then just bringing that to fruition and seeing what organically comes up and how I can develop that and make it the best that it can possibly be. Cause I've already done retreats and I love doing them. So I know that sets me. What do you like do about doing them? What's like your, your, your favorite part about doing the retreats? Um, my favorite part about the one we did in South Africa, which was my favorite was, uh, I mean, aside from just everyone being in a place in such a magical, like the bush is so magical, um, but just being in a place like that to kind of go inward was just, it was, we just created a really special container. And my favorite part about it was um, collaborating with my friends, um, Fish, Deepa and Sunny. And um, Fish is one of my favorite humans on this planet. And he facilitated um, my first um, men's sharing circle about like a number of years ago in LA, which is like a, a group of, you know, like heart centered, conscious men get together and kind of like go through in a Lakota style sharing circle where you just kind of like share, um, something that either you're grateful for. Usually the, the formula is like something you're grateful for and then something you're struggling with. And then everyone has an opportunity to give feedback if they so choose. That's and awesome. Then, and, and then you go around and what happens is I think the equivalent of psychotherapy, it's unbelievable. You feel charged, yeah. you feel so supported. Um, so he was the first person to ever introduce me to that space. And he's also just one of the most, the most incredible creatives I've ever met in my life. And he has just a way of making you feel just like so loved when you're with him. Is he Rick Rubin? He's like one of my, yeah, he's like one of my Rick Rubens. <laughs> That's my sure. Jason. My Jason's sure. my Rick Rubin. Dude. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so my favorite was not in just that fish was, was at the retreat. It was that all my friends were there and all these people came together and we're, we were in this container together. But that first day that we were there, everyone came and they were a little bit on edge as you are doing something new all the time, <laughs> right. right? Oh yeah, I guess I'm just gonna show up to this retreat with a bunch of other dudes and be super vulnerable, no right. big deal. Right, for sure, and and so- I'm not programmed was, to absolutely hate everything about this yeah. in every way as I step off the plane. Yeah, there was a lot of people there. There was, uh, we had a whole family there. There was like a like a, a mother, daughter, father vibe that came. There was a, like, it was a whole bunch of different people, which was great. And so everyone was a little bit like unsure of what to expect. And you could tell people were kind of on edge, like, what is this? Okay, we're gonna do yoga, what else are we doing? And that night we led um, a co-ed sharing circle. Okay. And Fish was the, the, the spearhead of that. And, uh, and it's so, a good way to start it. And so after that, we were only there for three and a half days. Yeah, but, and that's not a lot of time too. Like no. some retreats are like week longs. And yeah, but after that evening, it was like the tension was just like shattered. And, and everyone was like, it didn't matter where you were, who you were talking to. Every single person was like family at that point because people had shared things that were like, you know, you agree that nothing is going to leave that space. So you can be totally vulnerable and say yeah. people are going to come from their heart with honest reflections that are and from love. Right. And like, how often do you have that? We as a man, as a, as, as a man, a man female, period. I mean, yeah, for sure. I think, I think men have a different shake of it because there's this like, there is like sort of this duality in the relationship, the relationship between men and women and their experiences in the world. And obviously it's a spectrum. So like there is lots of crossover in the middle. That makes perfect sense that anything would have that. But I look at it like, 
Uh, but that doesn't take away from the fact that each, each experience is unique and different. Mm -hmm. And so as you get to it's like the, the mostly male perspective of like the things that they're dealing with, it's, it's really difficult for a lot of guys still, like we're kind of almost generationally programmed. Unless you have a really good upbringing, it's really difficult to find a place where you can allow yourself to be vulnerable and, and grow at all. Yeah, and, that's, and I think that's why we see a lot of like pigheadedness in, in men. They're like stubborn because if they give up anything, it feels like they, they lose, you know, or they have to like, yeah. there's, there's just a lot of things that guys have to work through that I don't think women have to work through and vice versa. Right. So these are, but like you said, there's definitely the crossover where like a well, lot of talk about that for days. I mean, multiple podcasts, we talk about kind of the conditioning, um, of, of like the male response to surrendering and being vulnerable. Right. So right. it's like kind of introducing that to men and realizing that, Hey, it's okay to share stuff and to be open and be supported by your fellow men. Right. Because we all want to be like, oh, we're in our power. We're not emotional. I, we're all these things. And it's like, well, that's just not necessarily the reality I think of it because right. we're and humans. I, I want to be clear that like, I, I it's not like, I think everybody needs it, certainly. Like men and women both need it. So I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm taking the male side just because I, I am most attached to that side being one, right? So I, I understand a lot of that, of what can be difficult about that experience as a, as a guy. And I feel like it's it's a conversation when mental health is like, often more, it seems like it's seemingly more of a crisis in the male world. Mm -hmm. Like we really got to address it. And, and part of that takes just being honest and being like, hey, we're going to need to shoot some attention over here to deal with some of this stuff. And, and these like sort of share the, the Lakota style share circles are definitely powerful because if you have a space where you're expressly and explicitly given the space to be open and vulnerable and honest and honest in a way where you're like, I want to share this thing, but I'm not sure if you feel this too. It's like, there's yeah. a good chance he feels it too, or he's experienced it too and has something to offer for mm -hmm. it. Yeah. 100. I'm still in a men's group um, that I did with fish for, uh, about a year and a half every week I would drive up from Orange County up to Venice and we would meet and it was just so profound. And then when Venice I, Beach? Yeah, nice. from Venice Beach. Um, I was driving up from Anaheim, Orange County area um, up there once a week, sometimes more than that to, to hang out with the homies. But that was just such a, prof a profound experience that when I didn't have it, I knew kind of you know, once you experience something, you can't go back. Like you've experienced <laughs> right, it. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. so you, you kind it's of- It's a part of me now. Yeah, and, and you know there's a thing that you can, and want and and you and you can expand into and it's very healing and it's supportive and like you kind of miss it because you've experienced that so um very synchronistically in 2020 i had a friend of mine who got my book and he was like hey you might want to check out this men's group i'm a part of and it's 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 called metal which is really cool <laughs> and it's uh it's it, it's essentially for men who are heart-centered in the media entertainment the arts and leaders and uh and so, some of the people in it are just next level and they have have calls throughout the week and anyone can sign up and just get interviewed to be a part of it. It's been one of the best decisions I've made ever in my life. I got to get it and from you. I'm going to have to yeah, hear for it. Sure. Yeah. I, I would be happy to vouch for you. And it's like, it's, it, it's a beautiful experience because it, it, it's not just like guys just, just getting together. Right, right. There are calls throughout the week on various topics. Cause there's a bunch of experts in, in the field. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you want that? Like, why would you, sure. yeah, that's, that's something we critically need more access to. I think in a world where you know, we can have it available. We should probably have it available. Totally, totally. And then on the, there's three calls a week um, that are, that's called the foundry. And so what that is, I mean, you think about it, you go to sharpen your blade, you go to sharpen your sword. And so iron what- Iron sharpens iron. Totally. And so what Fish had introduced me to, it, it's, it, 
the foundry is different than the Lakota style sharing circle, but not that different, just that it's on zoom. Yeah. And like we, we do it together and we're creating the space, all of the same tenants, all the same, like, Hey, you're going to be fully present. Your greatest gift is your presence. So don't be distracted. You're going to have compassion, love. Nothing's going to leave here. All this, all, all this space for guys to get together from all different walks of life, right? Like some guys might be more into being like, you know, they used to be doctors and not anymore. And other guys, authors, some billionaires, and then some people who are musicians are authors. It's like, there's no label. It's just that men getting together with the desire to be heart centered and to help their fellow brethren while also sharing and like expanding, um, so that they can grow and, and be a better person really is, right. like, is like the whole intention behind it. Right. So, so doing that at the South Africa retreat though, was so next level because everybody afterwards was best friends. And again, it, it was co-ed cause. Oh yeah. I mean, that's almost like a, it's it more like, like a, uh, what do you call it? Like, a it's an outcome, not like a symptom, right? Like yeah. you should, if you've gone and you've you've seen you've seen other people you've truly seen other people truly and, and truly heard them and been with yeah them. and been heard like you've gotten yeah. you got you got the it's like you were given sort of like full reciprocity of yeah. being able to be in a well, it's the power of the, the the vulnerability which almost has become becomes cliche in the self-help world now seeing like you know vulnerability is a strength it is and it, it's almost like underplayed now you have to see it that way so though. like i know for sure we also need to be willing to just you know speak some things that are uncomfortable sometimes and be okay with that. And when we have the containers to do it, it becomes a lot easier. Not that it's an easy act to do, but it becomes right. like, okay, cool. This is like, this is the space I can do it in. So now I'm going to be real and authentic. And then all of a sudden you find people are feeling the same way. They wanted to say the same thing. They have awesome feedback for you because they've experienced something similar, all sorts of stuff that comes from it. And so doing that at the retreat was really beautiful because the rest of the whole time was just, we were all family and like people still stay in touch and um, very much looking forward to doing another one of those, whether it's like a retreat style tour, um, maybe, towards the end of the year. I don't know. We'll, we will see, but it would be really cool. To I feel like I could also be exhausting like for, for you for hosting it to like be that. I think that could be a lot. It was, a, it was a lot emotionally and like just spiritually, like the gravity behind that is like, I like would do it differently. I, I learned a lot from doing that. And I, took a lot of responsibility on myself of like planning it out and it went smoothly. Like I, I did a great job. I felt of having control and surrendering control. So we, we had stuff planned, but we also understood that people want to experience. So we're just going to schedule free time for people because you're in the bush in Africa. And, yeah, and so like, you can do whatever. If you don't want to come to this Qigong course that my friend Tipa is leading, or you don't want to come to this meditation that Sunny's leading or my yoga class, it's okay. You're here to have an experience. And, uh, and so, that is something I definitely want to curate more and create um, th those containers. So it's kind of like taking those yoga classes before tour, which again, weren't just yoga classes, like right, right. goal setting workshops, like mindfulness workshops, all this stuff, and just doing it on a bigger level to where people can come and like we can share music and I can bring more friends and collaborate. And, you know, it, it, it might turn into something bigger. I don't know. But again, it's just an experiment and it's something that lights my soul on fire. And um, I really enjoy it because I think we need it, right? Like, like yeah. men, women, like in between, whatever, like we all need that. We need that connection. We need that space to share vulnerably so that we can stand empowered in who we are and what we choose to share and how we contribute to the world. Yeah, I mean that's that's just it. Is you no matter whether you're addressing it or not, you need to be figuring out what your place is in the world and what you're offering and what what you're at the very least what you're putting out there and what you're leaving behind. Because like, I think if you if you can't maybe necessarily be the if you're not the person who's gonna create and 
you know, go through this cathartic experience. It creates a thing that you can then bestow upon people that can travel in its own right in the ways that music does and, and therapy does and, and everything else that is centric in that regard does. But we might not, we might not also know what exactly it is that we're creating. Yeah, right, right, right. And you so, write a song and you've got an idea in mind, but you're like, yeah, I or, put it out there. It's not mine anymore. Sure. If somebody hears that another way, like I can't, it has to mean that to them. Like that's what that, that's yeah. how it hit them. Or you might be presented with an opportunity or some kind of life circumstance that totally challenges who you are and you no, feel as though, you know, you built this foundation and all of a sudden that rug is ripped. And then now it's like, well, who am I? What am I doing? How do I actually want to contribute? And and that's where you really get to check in with yourself and really see, okay, well, what are the things that actually light me up? Where do I feel the most excited? And not everything we do is going to excite us. It's fine. There's going to be stuff that we have to go through that we ha that is challenging to get to the stuff that we want to do. But just in taking kind of reconnaissance and like understanding that we're on this this grand experiment never it's, ending it's like well sometimes ending but like sometimes ending but just like rebirthing and renewing and dying and it, it's all a cyclical pattern of like up and down and it's just like it happens sometimes it's a long cycle sometimes it's a short cycle um but just just embracing that and understanding that the breadcrumbs that are laid are the ones that that set you up to feel the best and so if you follow those, you can't really go wrong because if you're like, okay, well, why do I feel so good when I'm doing this? For me, it was, it was really when I started doing yoga and meditating. So why do I feel good doing this? Well, I'm going to keep doing it. And it turned into a very, very beautiful process within that then I got to share. And it's, you know, it's kind of become something that is like, I really am passionate about because it helped me so much. And, and, and then from there, it's like, okay, then it's like the books, but then it's also like, I had a podcast for a bit, which was fun, but, but like, it wasn't my highest excitement. I liked it, yeah, but like yeah. it wasn't my highest excitement. And so like, maybe I'll do it again, but it wasn't like something that set my soul on fire. And so, sometimes I feel like you might've, maybe it would've been a different experience if it was just like a, a thing that was scheduled in your day and you weren't responsible for anything of it. Like when you're like, imagine your Rick Rubin status, right? He goes out and people want to have him on. They want to hear what he has to say. He's in a place right now where he just released a book. So he's got this like circuit he's probably doing that's helping promote the book, but really is just the thing he's always been doing, yeah, right. going out there and helping creatives create and, and in a way that really resonates from them in the most authentic way and also for the people that it's for in the most right, authentic right. way. Right. I just look at it like uh, if you can do that in whatever capacity it is for you, you and, and all you're having trouble with is unlocking it, you need to figure out what it is that unlocks that. And, and there's just so much of the human experience that can bottle it up and, mm -hmm. and just kind of pack it down and be like, no, you don't want that. You don't need that. Like, don't, don't worry about that. That's not for you. That's the big one is people not feeling like certain things are for them. Like, how did anybody get anywhere then? Well, they had to try and they had to usually mess it up a bunch of times yeah, to figure it out. Sure. And it does kind of remind me of the world of social media that we're in, which we both exist. And, and it's not inherently a bad thing. It is a tool, right? It's a tool to connect. Oh yeah. The tool is the tool. It's what, yeah. what we we're using. It is the way that it isn't sure, sure. and not and, the not good like thing. Not giving ourselves permission to kind of like step back from it sometimes and, and like wonder like, well, why do we have to do this? Do we have to do this because we feel the need to stay relevant, which has been a thing for me, right? It's like, okay, cool. I'm going through a life transition. Like I have this thing inside of me that I'm like rebuilding and I'm wondering like, okay, well, oh, but don't forget about me. That voice comes up, right? Oh so, yeah, that, and, oh, that kid. And so then it's like, yeah, it's, you have to almost laugh. But then at the same time, it's like, well, you want to share, but like, you're not sure what to share. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. And then you get into this whole dialogue and it's just a thing. So, um, I but that internal dialogue, everybody's fucking suffering from in their own regard, whatever that story or narrative looks like to them. I think there's just an overwhelming amount of people that are like, yeah. have you had people be like, I think it's just amazing. You do what you do. I could never do that. It's like, sure you could. Yeah, totally. Totally. For sure. Because I think 
well, if you look at it from the perspective of a stage, a, a literal stage, right? People see you. That's what's so great about this concept they, is it literally it creates it creates it in like almost like a Shakespearean kind of like metaphor. Well, it is very much, <laughs> and, and like from a psychological perspective too, which I studied in school, it's like very much a front and backstage analogy towards life, right? Did you so, get was it BA? Um, well, I studied communication and like media, but then also did psychology on the side a little bit here and there. That's like so I, I always nerded out on that. <laughs> yeah, for like, sure. Oh, people and our brain and how we function. It, it's really fascinating. Yeah. And, um, one of my favorite concepts that um, a professor that I had at uh, University of New Hampshire talked about was this front and backstage concept, which was there like it's this idea, which it's, it, it, it's a fancy name called social constructionist theory, which is just like how we create meaning in our life. But um, this guy, um, uh, Irving Goffman, he's like a legendary like social constructionist theory guy. He was talking about this front and backstage. And he was saying that like, they're not different. They're inherently the same, but we have to understand that our front stage is what we project and allow people to see of right. us. The backstage are like the internal decisions we're making and where we do the work. And if you want like a literal analogy, it's kind of like, hey, you're in the studio practicing your guitar riffs before you step onto the stage and how much you do beforehand, then it prepares you for how you perform on the stage. So understanding that they're not different though, you're still who you are, you're just adopting a different role in both of those places. It's empowering, but you have to understand also that when you're in the front stage, you're being looked at, you're co-creating with people. They're seeing you and you're seeing them. They're an audience, you are the performer, but you're co-creating an experience, right? So if you're right. on the stage and nobody's there, are you really, like what are you co-creating? I mean, you're having your experience, but you're not having that co-creation of like artist audience and like, that magic, right? And in that, the audience usually, what I've found from studying it, is create the illusion of, okay, cool, this person is larger than life. They're on a stage, they're doing something I couldn't do. They look so glamorous. And in one way, it's inspiring because then you can kind of take that ingredient and make it your special sauce and get right. inspired by it. And yeah. like, that's really, really important to do. But on the other hand, it can kind of make you feel a little bit inferior sometimes because like, well, if they're doing it, then like, oh, like I don't know if I could do that. Or like, they're so good, I could never do that. Yeah, both things can tend to push you, push the wall between to say like, I'm not on that side of the fence. For sure. And it's just kind of which one do you want to choose to operate in? Do you want to operate from a place of being inspired by people and understanding that they're a representation of what's possible? Or do you want to look at it and being like, well, I can't do that because, right? And so right. I always, whenever I would go to concerts as a kid, I would be like always focused in on the energy. I never gave a shit really about what the riffs they were playing or what their musicianship was like, just to be honest. To a negligible degree, you'll know if it sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. If but it's good, I otherwise, wanted, I'm happy. I want to see how people carried themselves, yes. how they connected with the audience, how they performed, because that was what made me feel like, holy shit, this is next level. And like, yeah. and like I, I left talking about that experience. And... And so I would always zero in on that. And from an audience perspective, I would, I would observe that. And, and that's really what I chose to kind of make my own special sauce because I was obsessed with like bands, you know, like, like story of the year and the chariot, which are now like, you know, old school bands, but like how those people performed was like flying through the air, flipping their guitars, right. um, connecting with the audience, doing things that were just so out there. And I always thought like, wow, that's, that's so cool. I'm going to make that part of my own. I never thought that like, because they're doing it, I can't. And that's what I think is really important regardless yeah. of if we're Perspective doing- Perspective on that is in, uh, imperative to whether or not what your next steps are going to be. Yeah. If you're doing music, writing books, whatever, we get to make 
it our own from getting inspired by others. And that's just like a really, really important thing to remember because we have this front and backstage thing going on to where if we are constantly in the front stage being perceived by others, then we're not, and, and not giving ourselves time in the backstage to really like kind of ruminate on stuff and like work on us and like make these decisions of like, hey, I'm gonna show up fully. Right. And then go out there and rock it. Like if you don't give yourself time to like sit in both of them, then like you kind of do yourself a disservice while at the same time remembering from a very esoteric perspective, like they're one in the same. Yeah. So you're still you. You're just in different forms of your roles, like kind of like that famous Shakespeare quote of like. All the stage. Yeah. And like, and all the people are merely players. Yeah. And, and like. That's just what it is. So like you're choosing to enter into a role and then you're existing and co-creating and understanding that, hey, just just because you're in the audience doesn't mean you're not co-creating an experience and becoming inspired by those people and how they live. And it's the same thing for an audience. Like there's so many times where I was brought to tears on stage when like we'd be in Russia and someone would like light a flare off during one of our songs, which is like so illegal in the US. Like, <laughs> also hyper emotionally charged in that you're like, oh, but that like gives me chills thinking about it and will always be something that inspires yeah. me no matter what. And people with signs saying inspiring stuff or just like singing your words and connecting, like that is as much of like a like an inspiring experience as is being in an audience and looking at an artist. And I think people forget that sometimes and think that, oh, hey, they're on the stage, I can't do that. And and just they don't remember how important both of those roles are and the choice to engage in both of them as an artist and as someone in the audience. Because as soon as you enter into that role of co-creating an experience with an artist, you're a part of the magic. Right. Right. And and, and so then it, again, it, it kind of comes back to what we were saying before about how we choose to be empowered. And are, are we looking at stuff from a pessimistic point of view of being like, well, if that person did it, I can't do it because it's not real. Right? Yeah. You, got, uh, you have to get to this place where you can do your art, that thing that's authentically you and not feel like somebody else doing the exact same thing somehow takes from your your expression, it's right. like they're just different and they could never be the same. So like you're, you're pretending there's this like this paradigm where you have to exist and do it the same way they do if you want to pluck these elements from this, that and the other thing. Like my, my earliest, I think, incarnation in the music world is that when you go to a stage and you start realizing that different crowds affect you, right? Like that's like your first experience. You're like, oh, that crowd was really good. I don't know why because I haven't done any studying on figuring out what it is that made that connection great. It's probably because you had a connection with somebody there or mm. some people there or the, just that energy was there for you. But if you don't kind of address and kind of deep dive into it a little bit and start to assess it, you don't realize like, oh shit, I'm a part of whether or not they are a good crowd. And so like, it's easy, especially when you're on a, like we kind of, it's a juggling act when you're a younger artist, right? Because you're like, Oh, this guy, this band went up and they'll come off stage. You're like, crowd bucket sucked. Like this, mm. they were just dead. Nobody was moving or anything. It's like, putting these ideas in your head of what you're going to perceive going forward. And I feel like you never fell into that because you were always like, I know I'm going to go out and give mine. No, oh, no. What do you mean? The crowd sucks. Like I'm going to go out there and do the thing that I was put here to do and they're going to love it. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I guess my, my perspective on that was always, Hey, I'm going to perform in a way that these people don't even know what's coming and, and do it in a way that's going to make them wonder, you know, what, what was that? What did I just witness? What did I just experience? And I didn't care if you had known the music we were going to play or if you had heard of me or who I was playing with. Like, I didn't care. I was literally like, I'm just going to go literally put on a show and tap into that balance, that balance of, hey, letting your ego out 
but controlling it with the attitude of gratitude because like you can stay and find a happy medium and right. do you can do shit that you don't think is possible like you can fly through the air like a ninja and like you can do some crazy shit if you want and maybe that's not your vibe maybe just chilling that's okay maybe that's your thing <laughs> But for me, it was like, hey, I'm going onto the battlefield. And it's like, I'm entering. Yeah, about to go to war. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to war. And it, like, really, I was going to war with my own mind because I'm going. And, and that's. Well, it's a, those 30 to 45 to minutes to an hour or whatever are your ex, the, the very visceral experience. Like Totally, totally. And, and it, it didn't matter necessarily. Um, and this isn't to negate the people that were there. I lived, I sponged off that energy. But like the agreement I made in that backstage a long time ago was that, hey, if in anyone. In your backstage. In my backstage, if anyone ever decided to give me their time and energy to show up, whether it was to see an artist that played afterwards or if it was to see me, I was going to give them every single thing that I had to that moment. It does not matter, which is also good nowadays because people have phones and there could be one person in the audience and then post it to like a million people. And right, then right, all right. of a sudden you're caught being low energy and then a million people see it. So it's kind of <laughs> ironic now. But it's important, I think, to make those decisions so that no matter what situation presents itself, you're still going all out and you're allowing that kind of fire within to shine. And I mean, I'm a kind of a zodiac nerd a little bit, so I'm like an Aries where I have that fire inside, but I'm a very calm one. So yeah, you're like the chillest Aries I've but, ever met. But like that's where but that's where I let it out was like on yeah, stage. And yeah, so like that you know, was the outlet. Yeah. And like I have other outlets now, but not in the same yet. I'm still exploring them. That was just one that, you know, I got to just like let it all out and kind of put my heart on my sleeve and just just rock it and stay grateful because if I didn't stay grateful that was when you know the, the shit happened where I would like fall or do something stupid <laughs> because I was like you know feeling myself too much yeah, um, yeah, yeah but there's a there's a technique to tap into the ego that's not allowing it to inflate but actually um kind of harnessing it and and that's just it was my place to kind of let that out and connect and just share and so that for me was a very lifted high vibration experience that that then allowed me to connect in, I think in that high level with other people you know I remember a lot of times just uh well I think what was cool about being out with you guys was I had individual like isolated moments where you have a kind of like these like the eye contact moments where something's going on on stage and I just with everybody I had it with everybody I've ever toured with certainly but with you specifically i remember like we had these like non-verbal communication <laughs> skills of like just what we're observing i remember uh okay so one of my probably one of my favorite memories of being out with you guys ever was i think i want to say the first time in prague or maybe it was the second time but whatever it was like you got i think it was the second time because the first time was a really great show i remember it being and then the second time i remember security couldn't keep catching kids fast enough that were like crowd surfing. And we were in this really ornate, like theater-esque stage. It was like kind of wrapped around and there was like, uh, you know, uh, filigree like all around the stage. It was just like a truly beautiful place. And this absolutely pandemonium oriented, like mayhem was taking place and like security couldn't catch enough kids. So I had to start catching kids and just being like, what a very electrifying and like, a literally a live experience. It was hard to not, and I think everybody walked off that day, even me not being on the artist side of things, like, like, wow, what an amazing show. Mm -hmm. And it, it just mm -hmm. kind of like, to me, it was like a really perspective shift in experience in that I was able to, it was like one of the first times I would, one of the first times, I have a picture actually of you guys on the, 
one of the Sleeping with Sirens tours, like the first one you guys did when you dropped Oak Island. And I remember you guys took like a crowd picture at the end of the show. And I had this picture of all of you guys standing there. And I had been with you guys at this point for almost like two years, I think. And then I had traveled with you guys on a tour forever ago with another band. And that's where I discovered you guys for the first time. And I just remember being like, they're fucking getting like everything that's coming to them. Like fucking finally. Cause like, <laughs> I'd never, never seen a group of people persevere through so much. And then, and I, what I felt like was like, they weren't being seen or rewarded for it. And to see it start to shift and change and like that appreciation start to roll in, like it was always going to be a roller coaster. Right. And it was always going to be hypercharged emotionally and spiritually kind of uplifting and challenging in all of its own ways. And I just remember being really grateful to have seen that experience take place from the outsider, but along with you guys and, and amongst all the times that I watched, I was often on your side of the stage. I don't know why that was the case, but it was. And uh, I just remember watching you and being like, go get them. Like, fucking, that's awesome. Like, n- just not not like awe, not envy, just being like, just astounded that like I was there and in the presence of seeing these things take place and, and really tangible like arc changes of things. Because I remember being on a tour where we ran out of gas or something like that in the middle of the night. And Sounds right. People waking up and being like, oh, fuck me. Like, this is the worst. It, you know, a handful of people would have show after you've driven like eight hours. Like, those are real things that can that can really kind of destroy your momentum and, and your own personal drive or ambition mm-hmm. to go after stuff. And I think it's like foolish to think that anybody gets a pass at or a shake at going after their dreams without having to deal with those lulls and those things that are like less than desirable or whatever you want to call them. And uh, I, I really always enjoyed just seeing like your attitude is always very grounding and I, like necessary for me because when you're gone for a month and a half at a time and it's cold, like it's really easy for things to start to get emotionally charged in a super negative way. And then there's just no way to really escape it because you're like, cause plus fuck, I'm also cold. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, I never felt like really had that. And there were moments where maybe you would have like frustrations or things that would come out, but I could always appreciate them as a part of your growth. And I never felt like you were ever in a place where you didn't still authentically connect with me. Like you could tell me if you were honestly upset or pissed or, you know, frustrated <laughs> by something. And like, I valued that. Like I, I was in a place back then. I did peer mediation in high school. That was like one of my little fun facts is that when my parents split up, I went to therapy and then I would have these kids that would in school have a fight with each other and my teachers were like you're the one like we're gonna send you to the guidance counselor to have a quick pep talk and then i need to come back here and talk to these two kids out in the hallway for like 30 minutes and they'd excuse them and i'd sit there and be like all right what are you mad about like i have like no training or anything but just being able to be there and be like isn't it a little ridiculous that you guys are being like this and so i adopted these kind of like observational behavioral skills early enough that it was really easy for me to not take anything to heart too much and to be able to observe things honestly and say, this is what I'm seeing take place here. Mm. And you were somebody who was always asking yourself hard hitting questions. And that's a hard place to be in when we were in our early twenties. And mm-hmm. it's a hard thing. It's a hard place to be in anywhere really. But for you specifically, I always felt like you had a pretty firm grasp on it. Like watching you when like that picture I sent you last night is like somewhere in the Oregon coast. I think one of the first times we were there. So it has 2013 or something. Yeah, so yeah. easily 10 years ago. Right. And it's you meditating on a rock. And this is like pre you really diving into the yoga. I don't think you were yoga certified instructor at that point uh, yet. Yeah, I, don't, I was probably going through it maybe then. Like but process. I was listening yeah. to the car. I mean, how much, how many hours do we have in a van walking together where you just have a conversation about like, well, I kind of feel like this. And I had really spiritual and existential and like philosophical conversations with you from day one, it felt mm-hmm. like. And I was like, 
thank God, because I needed that. That was an era of my life where I certainly benefited from having a friend like you. And you saw the mayhem I still caused with having this influence in my life. So it's it's funny to see that like this is this is the trajectory you're on now. Do you pay too much attention, do you think, to the the trajectory you're on, or do you allow yourself to really just kind of be in the moment and say, uh, it's a, it's like a daily thing, right? It's, it's a, an exercise. It's an exercise of like the internal dialogue and observing it. And sometimes it's positive and sometimes it's not. And then understanding that sometimes it's good and sometimes it's, you know, challenging. But it, but it's not a matter of it being one way in any moment. It's just a matter of coming back to the consistent practices you have, right? Like whether it's meditation, yoga, writing music, all the above the consistent practices allow you to like disassociate. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but you can disassociate from the negative self-talk so that this way you, you have to, you have to, because if you don't, you're going to start to think that it's who you are and, right. and it identifies you. Right. And I so, still fall into that now and again, truth yeah. be told, like it's easy me to too. just be like, things aren't going my way. I'm not getting a fair shake right now. What was me? This little pity party I want to throw myself. But well, that was one of my favorite parts about the first book that I wrote was, um, it was really funny. I was one of the first times we were in South Africa. I went to the, <laughs> we were at a restaurant. I went to the bathroom and it was just really cool like mural inside the men's room and it was just this thing right right in front of the urinal it just said said why me question mark <laughs> try me exclamation mark and I'm being like wait a minute what and it, it was just like such a random occurrence but it was such a profound basic yeah. statement that like that is something that is in that book that is one of my favorite parts of it because it helped me to shift and stop thinking like, you know, like, why is this happening to me, right? Like, why does my low back hurt? Why do these people seem to like dislike me? Why did this, you know, why did we not get a, a bone thrown to us here? Why, 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 why? Oh, right? yeah. There's no real answer, right? Because we're just trying to search for validation in our mind and we're asking these questions and, you know, there's all sorts of things going on. But if we shift that to try me, not in a sense of like inviting shit that's difficult, <laughs> right, in life, yeah, yeah. but like a, a sense of like a perspective being like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to wallow and be like, okay, well, why is this happening to me? I'm just going to step back, disassociate from that identifying who I am mm -hmm. and be like, okay, cool. What is this trying to teach me? Okay. Yeah. Or what can be observed from this that will teach me? Yeah. Like, and what am I, in a way, what am I supposed to learn from this? And, and so when, when you ask that, you kind of shift into more of this like try me mindset of like, you know what universe, Hey, if you're going to throw me some shade, cool. I understand. I must learn from this to get better. So in a way it's like, try me, but like, also, I would probably add a little asterisk now after experiencing it for years since I wrote it and just say, like, try me with grace and ease. Yeah, be gentle, please. <laughs> because, because you got to get clear with what you want and how you want it or else sometimes the universe... Sometimes goes. mentally steal yourself what you know you're about to go through. Yeah, definitely. But it's very important, I think, to make that shift, especially for anyone who's creating in any format. Like when we're talking to entrepreneurs here as well as people in the music industry, leaders. And, you know, when, when you're stepping into anything new, there's going to be opportunities to learn. And like how we face adversity is going to really be a telltale sign of not our success, but it's who we are. Yeah. And that's what's the most important. And and uh, when we're thinking from a why me perspective, we're going into the victim mindset. So when we shift and just say like, you know, try me or like, well, what am I supposed to learn? How can I reframe this and then step into my power? That is an internal shift that then I think just creates success wherever you go, rather than trying to think that the success is going to be, you know, that car, that house, that thing. Yeah, the expectation. Right? That's right. really what it is. Right. I mean, like that's where the real disappointment comes from is I'm expecting that this is going to pan out the way I want it to or I'm expecting this will be the reward I get I'm expecting this will be the result of me doing all this work right, right, right. and then you I mean you learn really quickly if you're especially if you're a musician you're like oh we dropped the song you're like it is doing dog shit numbers right now nobody apparently yeah. nobody likes this song that we wrote and felt really strongly about and you just have to kind of be like okay but that's not the sum of who my being is in this this realm of my creativity like okay I'm going to 
keep, I'm not going to stop. I'm never going to write the song and be like, well, that was it. We did it. You, you got to kind of test, right? Like, I mean, you, you got to test, test, test. And I think social media is now bringing it to like our forefront, right? Because just because you have so many followers nowadays doesn't mean shit. And just, I mean, it means stuff to people who think that like a check mark is the end all be all. And you're a credible source when like I can tell you like hundreds of people that are more credible than like a lot of people that have blue checks that I know right. when it comes to like health and fitness and stuff. It, right. just, it just is what it is. But it's, it's a, you know, a mark on society that you, what you have to share is valuable. Totally understand that. Um, I think it's just important to understand the, the the difference as we're going about the creation of, hey, this piece of work, just like your idea of being like, hey, I'm doubting, I'm critical of myself, is does not define you. You can separate from it and you can continue yeah. to just create and just, hey, I'm gonna test, I'm gonna throw this out there. And oh, wow, like I've grown my following to this, <clears throat> which I've experienced that and like, you know, my Instagram account blew up because of some guitar stuff that I was that I was doing, like flying my guitar around my head. It was like really fun to just have this video blow up, like millions and millions of views. It blew my account up, and now it's kind of like that's how the world like wants to perceive me is like me flipping my guitar around my head. And while I'm like, I'm not really doing that as much anymore <laughs> yeah. at this moment. So like I can share stuff here and there as like nostalgic. Want sabbatical content. from that right now? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and so I could sit back, and it is sometimes a little bit demoralizing but what one of my coaches I work with Lisa Nichols talks about is how you can make those people that follow you into kind of your students and into kind of like more I think it's just more about how you connect with them but instead of them just being fans who consume your content you can turn them into people that are you know like consumers of, of like what you want to actually share to the you're world you're being given the opportunity right? to explore your connection with them in a way that it can basically turn it into something that they didn't expect and maybe you didn't anticipate going into it but right. it's and, very fully a part of a transformative process and that stuff might not always get the most views right yeah and so like sometimes but but that's and it's an important thing not only are we experimenting throwing different content out there learning how the world wants to perceive us reinventing ourselves trying new stuff being okay with stuff not doing good some stuff does okay cool that's a breadcrumb let's do more like this can i spin it all this stuff but at the same time then creating that next level relationship where you have those diehard people and those people might not be as large as you want them to be right like you, they, like you might have like a hundred thousand followers you can't get a group you can't go to a room of anyone any any group of people 10 people 100 people thousand people and be like every one of these people have to either like me or hate me and if not i'm out like that can't be the the, the outcome you're looking for so you're gonna always have subsets of different people that are gonna see a nuance of you know understanding yeah. and, and visualization of you and like i think of my tiktok for example are you active on tiktok at all um i was for a bit i am not currently oh i am like yeah I'm, i don't know where i'm at right now. i'm in the ebb and flow phase of it where it comes and it goes i definitely am like i need to get off it at night that needs to happen <laughs> but uh like my my best videos are just this like they are a great like microcosm of my entirety of, of a human being i have a video of a buddy of mine with a blind cat or he's a deaf cat that is just like passed out on his page and it's, it's one of my pinned videos it's one of my most like a million something likes or whatever that's irrelevant, but I, I pinned it because not because of the views, but because it's my personality and me being just fucking ridiculous with this cat. I'm making like a, a roller coaster ride sound or something with this cat that's asleep on it. Yeah. Then another big video is this video of me telling a story that's pretty off the ball and uncanny, but is definitely something that I'm like, go figure that would happen to me. And then I do a lot of like, you know, voiceover comedy skits, things that just things that entertain me. So the people that are going to find me, if they, I don't care what video they find me on, they're just getting a taste of what I am in that regard. It's like I can't have any of it be the sum of who I am. Yeah. But I want people that are going to be there and that do seem to give a shit or do want to connect and, and be a part of it to understand who I authentically am and not who I'm just going to. I don't want to let anybody down by making them think that I'm somebody that I'm not. And I think it's 
as much as it's probably smart to stick to your niche and only focus on this search engine optimization and, and only be talking about these things if you want your account to grow, I'm like, that's certainly not who I am. I just want, if people are going to connect with me, I want them to know who I am mm-hmm. and show up authentically like that. And you've done a fucking stupendous job of doing that in multiple realms, by the way. So like not just in the music world, but with doing writing and then this next endeavor, like you, you have the right approach to going after everything and attacking everything that you want to do to create in a way where you do it authentically as you and you allow yourself the space and the permission to like be vulnerable, explore, maybe fuck it up, maybe not. Like you're just, you have to, I want people to see that. That's like my biggest thing about the podcast is that I, I only started it because I didn't, I didn't want to have any expectations. Like I said, I said earlier, like I don't want to go into this thinking that I have, there has to be an interview where we'd sit here and we break down your book chapter by chapter for two hours. And then the takeaway is, I hope I was into that book because otherwise I didn't get any of the value that came out of the things that you've been saying so far that are, I think, really, really poignant. Like, I, I want people to see that that's what's out there and in every capacity. So I don't want to focus just on artists. I wanted to focus on entrepreneurs. And so you kind of get to be this. You're my first guest who was really like the, the best culmination, I would say, of both of those things because you branched out into so many different endeavors and and opportunities in your life to explore new modes of creativity. And every one of them, it's like, you just very authentically allow yourself to show up and be present and create. I'm really glad that. Well, thank you. I you're, appreciate you're it. I mean, and, and just to kind of end on like the authenticity is what like draws people in, right? Like um, creating the space to be real is is almost separating us um, and allowing us to shine because of social media and how much of a facade it can be and our highlight reels are what people are attracted to. Right, right, right. When we're real. And we can be real and not only just be like, you know, the person that we present ourselves on social media, but when we can show up like that in real life and we can show up consistently for people, it separates us from everyone else because we're living in a world that unfortunately is kind of like, you know, it's kind of a facade, right? I mean, it's kind of an illusion. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you can show up fully and be authentically real, people will be attracted to you. And I mean, attraction from like a genuine, like, I want to learn from this person. I want to get to know them. Like, like I love their story. Like, that's just what draws people in and helps to facilitate connection. But it all comes from not only the vulnerability, like we talked about, but it comes from just being authentic and just being like, Hey, you know, like this is how I feel. And like, it's not always sunshine and rainbows and just being real about it. And people need to hear that. I think people need to hear more people saying that and having that conversation because it kind of shreds that dogma that like this, this sense of other, like, Oh, they're on stage. So they're different. It's like, everybody's got to understand that we're all we're all in this. We're just I'm just the player there right now. Like, what do you think I am when I'm at Starbucks earlier in the day, just trying to get a coffee, and I'm tired in my pajamas, or like you know, some of the times we disheveledly rushed, or like walked into a Starbucks in the middle of nowhere, and just we all look like we clearly woke up and slept in a van. It's like just the roughest human <laughs> beings walking in. Please, could I have coffee? Yeah, uh, I feel like that's uh, I, I like I, I really honestly. I thought it was really important that my intention in this be not going into it for the idea of like its growth and just to go into it for the fact that I knew the people I was going to get to have the conversations with mm-hmm. are going to be conversations that I think are everybody should have them. And sometimes you don't have the person in your life. Some people are really introverted and isolated and it's hard. This is the only means they get to have and hear this conversation. And so you need to create a space where that can happen too. And so I figured if I just do that, I'm going to get to do all the things I authentically want to do anyway. Show up, talk to my friends. I'm, you know, like this Nashville trip has been uh, a lot of fun so far. It's going to be a little bit of work in the back half of the week yeah. and I need to start getting stuff out. But I was like, I can't, I think about these first 20 episodes that I'm doing. This is kind of my journey right now is that 
you know, like 80% of podcasts that start don't make it past three episodes and of the remaining 20, like another 80 or 90% don't make it to 21 episodes. So if you make it to 21, you're in this like upper echelon of like the top 5% of people that are 0.5% or whatever people that release podcasts. Mm. And so I was like, I want to challenge myself to do that. And I want to see what my small sample study case study is of people that I get to come in and do it. And so far it's been such a weird and interesting group that I, I look forward to being able to have those first 20 done and being like, I'm going to watch them all again. I'm going to like, I'm going to probably just marathon them all in a row mm-hmm. and just be like, wow, that's really crazy that I went on this journey of all these different weird people that I've met at different points in my life and seeing what they're doing and how they kind of impact others and what they, how people speak and how they can really relay what it is that you're going through in these individual human experiences is super profound because they're all different. But there's a lot of these similarly resonating frequencies that take mm-hmm. place. And, uh, so I want to know, so moving forward, do you, are you going to do more? This was the trilogy. Does this turn into a fourth book or do we set, like, do you think you'll do another book that will not maybe necessarily follow this line, but maybe know. something else? I don't know right now. I don't have a clarity on that yet to speak firmly upon. I feel like I could. I just don't know in what format. I feel like I like the fact that there's three of these books. It feels solid. Yeah, that's um, a good number. <laughs> it might be cool to do more at some point, but I found that like, Right now, I want to explore other creative means through through music and possibly retreats and stuff like that. So that, that's mainly my focus. I, I, I would entertain the idea of maybe doing some fiction writing. Um, one of my favorite books uh, that I ever read was by Victor Wooten, um, who who plays, obviously, he's like one of the best bass players in the world, but he played with uh, Bella Fleck and the Flecktones just as like such a gift. The guy is like a channel. He's one of the most epic musicians on the planet, in my opinion. And um, he wrote a book called The Music Lesson. And uh, he's written a sequel to that. And both of them are fiction, but you can't tell if it's fiction. It's like, it's trippy and out there, but it's all about a relationship with music that's um, way different than the traditional music sense, right? Like how you would learn in school. And it's all intuitive. It's all feeling. It's all like getting used to the different aspects of like dynamics and rhythm and all this stuff, but feeling them not from a sense of like having to practice, but from a sense of experiencing them. And so I would love to maybe like dabble with some, uh, with some fictional writing, but I don't actually know in this moment, I'm just uh, kind of excited for what's to come and just pouring myself into music, um, for transformation. And, uh, that for me is just creating immersive experiences for people that they can really kind of like, you know, feel safe, go through whatever they need to go through in a yoga setting, in a meditative setting, in just like sitting in their bedroom setting, um, something that's like immersive and creates the atmosphere for them to feel because like, I really want to be, you know, an opportunity. I am an opportunistic person. I want to be someone that presents people the opportunity to observe what is possible, not only from an external place, but from an internal place. And that only comes from people stepping through the door and doing the work themselves, but I can at least create a soundtrack. So that's what I'm going to work on. Uh, well, so yeah, definitely. I think that that's, and you do it well, right? You've definitely honed out that aspect of how you're going to kind of lock in and do that. Um, I wanted to say, there was something else I wanted to say. I can't remember what it was. Think about it. Uh, think about it. And then you want to do one more question. I got to pee really fucking fast. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How many, what are we at right now? Uh, 131. 131. Yeah, it's about the time. Okay, cool. cool. You want to go to, you want to take a quick Yeah, Come back and then just finish Get up. your headphones so you know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll think of this while you go to that. Yeah. Part. How you doing, babe? You good? Okay. Thank you. Are we obnoxious yet? This <laughs> is doing great. I don't know if you can believe that you're a person who's 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 a person who's
What's that? I think I'm going to do 20. I think, I think that seems like, uh, if like maybe a few more, it just depends on how, how soon I can get there. But once I start, I don't want to, I don't want to have to stop. So like I, I do a period. And I, I also don't want to hold myself to that in a way where I feel like, Oh, I'm not really, uh, I mean, I'm holding myself back from dropping moves because I don't want to have enough episodes or whatever, you know, whatever the random thought of my brain is. Uh, but I think like 20 is a nice round number. 20, I think I'm going to do 21 um, and then space them out. It's already a couple weeks into the year. So I figure if I, if I have a bunch of them dropped and I'm ready to start dropping pretty consistently, I'd like, I'm in a place right now where as soon as I'm done with the episode, I could have the episode out that day within like an hour if I, no, but I've set up all of the systems and, and practices in place to make it so that it's easier to do that. And so that that's nice. I, I took care of that all in the upfront, which I knew would be helpful in the back end of actually sitting down and creating these. Yeah, because I can't have every project do this thing where I'm like, oh, shit, now here's the next, you know, 10 hours of my life. You can just get something out. And then I also have to, you know, put food on the table and you know, work your bread and butter job. But uh, yeah, I think... I think if I can do a season as like 20 episodes, then I can break them into seasons. And then as they're out, I can then start reaching out and scheduling in advance and then building out more of a schedule and less of like a, as I'm getting them to come into the door. Right. Yeah. There's like, you know, like constructed, you know, that consistency with being able to say, I know it's been actually for us, I mean, it's for us, it's Right, 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 right. Yeah, the panic of trying to yeah, get, get, get something done and have a, a number or a quantitative amount of something that lets it go out. Um, you remember it? Or no. I know. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as if that was hard to do in the first place. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to. I, I, well, I wanted. I definitely want to have you. I want to go to one of these retreats. Like, I'm. I'm really looking forward to like the next time you do one. I'm like whatever it ends up being. Yeah, give me the heads up on that. I definitely want to be able to go and and have that experience. I feel like that's. I, you, I see them sometimes pop up. I'm like very into the therapy side of TikTok. So like I see stuff like that pop up all the time and it makes me think about, okay, well, I think I would benefit from going to something like that. I have a, my, my buddy, Jason, my Rick Rubin, mm -hmm. he, uh, he does these like medicine retreats where like he has a, a lady who's a therapist that comes in and sees him and they do like, you know, MDMA therapy and he's doing like EMDR right now and just has like a, I'm, I'll probably have to cut all that out. This is, I don't want to like put his shit out on blast, but uh, yeah, like Jason does a lot of like psychedelic uh, you yeah. know, therapy experiences mm -hmm. that have, have really kind of transformed his perspective on things. And he's like, yeah, I, I think you would benefit from doing it. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, the cost is a little up there. I don't know if I could make that justify making that investment in like one go. And he was like, I promise you it's actually probably worth it for you because it's going to help you pass maybe some preliminary hurdles that maybe hold you back or restrain you. And I guess in my perspective, that's one way to go about doing it. The other one is really kind of being present and, and vulnerable and really thinking through it and being there for it. Mm -hmm. And so I try to spend a lot of my time, like I think there's a, some real sincere benefit to the act of being in a place where you are vulnerable and maybe uncomfortable for, even and sometimes for a little longer than you think you should be because of the things that can you can really work through in that space. Like sometimes it's like when the threads are so close to being cut, it's like a really good opportunity to like take a look at them and be like, but how do they get that way? And like, hmm. what is my, my process moving forward to kind of prevent them being, what are the preventative measures I can do to kind of keep myself from being there? Um, you said something earlier that made me just realize like I'm in this place where I'm showing up in this new space that I'm, I'm not really familiar with. And it's all just kind of like this grand experiment of how it's going to go and what I'm going to really take away from it. But uh, in it, I, 
I try to be mindful of the fact that I'm in these places with people having very real conversations about whatever it is that is that in that conversation. And, and this one is probably going to be one that I really think about for a long time because there were just so many <laughs> visceral moments we had as what feels like literal children like a decade ago mm. and to see where we've both ended up and what we're in the process of doing for ourselves individually and the self-work that we're always doing constantly that I feel like you've actively always been engaged in. It's really good to have somebody like you just uh, on the planet as mm. like in the uh. first place, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's easy when you're practicing gratitude to be like, man, I'm just really thankful that he was ever in my life at all. And the fact that I can have him as a you know, a friend and somebody that I can observe on his journey and know that there's always takeaways from things, like even your Instagram posts. So you're really thoughtful about the things that you write and how you write them. And so I'm really excited to be able to dig into the book. Did you do an audible? That was one of the things I wanted yeah, to ask yeah. you. Yeah, which was a whole other experience too. Um, I think I read a comment on Amazon that like they bought, somebody bought the audible version of the book yeah. because they thought it was really cool that you voiced it yourself. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and if anyone gets to this point in the podcast, <laughs> I, I just want to say, if you find me on Instagram, so if, like, I guess I can talk to this camera. If you find me on Instagram and message me, Johnny, Johnny, you message me just the word Johnny and your email. I'll email you a free copy of my first audiobook. But that's only if you've been listening. But only only if you made it to one hour, 45 minutes and 32 seconds. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything else. Just Johnny and your email and I'll know what you mean. Well, before um, we wrap, I wanted to ask yeah. you. So tell me. Well, hang where, on. I got to talk on the, on the audiobook for a sec because okay, the okay. audiobook was like, um, I mean, writing a book is what I like to consider. I've never run a marathon, but writing a book is kind of the equivalent of like running on a treadmill in a cave and doing a marathon because in the <laughs> darkness, because you don't really know when it ends. And it's just like, you know, it's a process that you're in it, you're in it, you're in it, you're in your laptop. It's not like you, you have the text of the book and you just read it and then you're good. Well, from the audiobook, yes. Cause you're not reading it until the book's done. Right. Okay. So yeah. like, yes, but writing from a, from a, like, that part's the marathon part. Yeah, like making the analogy between running and that <laughs> is like, you're in a dark room on a treadmill. You don't know when it's going to end. And, uh, and so it can be just very like overwhelming at times. The audiobook was, was such an experience and I really do enjoy doing those and at this point I've done multiple ones I've done um, the trilogy I didn't do one for because there's three audiobooks already for the other ones um, but for for those three it was great the first one took me I did it in one sitting in the studio I sat down for I think it was like 14 to 16 hours I just sat down and like I didn't know what I wanted to you know I didn't know what my audiobook voice was going to be yeah, yeah, and, yeah and so obviously I wanted it to just be me because that's what I learned instructing yoga was that the people that I connected with the least were the people that got in front of a room and were like putting on this thing and talking like they talked to me in the lobby in a normal voice and then they got into the class and they were doing some act and it just didn't feel authentic so I wanted to speak completely as myself but I just know that I needed to figure out my cadence and my rhythm and yeah. how people did it your voice you got to find your voice for sure for sure so it took me literally half the book of reading it to find that voice so when I was for the, the first half of that time was spent reading and then I found it on the second half of the book so then I went back and reread the first half and I did important it. mentally though not to be like oh, I got to go back and do this all over again it's like you learn something you're not going yeah. back to nothing you're going back with all this experience you've gained halfway through your book for sure to make that first half just as monumental and powerful moving forward. For so. sure. And I found little ticks that work for me, whether it's like, you know, using my hand as an expression tool or even sometimes keeping like a rhythm, almost like a metronome while I'm, I'm reading it. And, uh, and those led me to eventually, I read one of my really good friend, Eli Weeby's books, who, uh, he's a badass ultra marathon runner. And, uh, and he asked me 
because we were, we were going back and forth because he was about to publish this book about his life. He was like a, one of the biggest Hollywood nightclub promoters. And he went from like this intense dark world of like Hollywood nightlife to, then, imagine. to, to then now he just like throws himself into running and fitness and all and like motivation. He's a boss. And so we were going back and forth because he was releasing his book. And uh, this is book out. What was that? This is book this out. This book's out. It's called Mask. Yeah. Highly recommended. It. It's awesome. Mask by? Mask, M-A-S-K, by Eli Wiebe. Um, and, and I mean, obviously, I would selfishly say, go listen to his audiobook because I narrate. <laughs> um, and and he, he asked me to do that. And to me, it's like, you know, that's up there with like asking me to like officiate your wedding. Yeah. Because, because I, it's like a sacred experience. You're letting like, me be a part of your creation. Your and story. Yeah. And like your words. And, uh, and we did it in a really beautiful format, too, where like we would break we would break in the middle of a chapter or at the end of one and just have a, like a, a dialogue almost as if it was a podcast in the studio. And, uh, and that was really fun, but that only happened because I prepared by doing these just on a whim because I, I figured, Hey, I want to connect with people and I want my authentic voice to be on these. I don't want somebody else to read it. I, I want to do that. And so that got me better at it. And then it, it led me to some other really fun opportunities. And, and the, the, Audiobook was one of my favorite things to create just because it's like something I'll even put on every once in a while in the car and forget that I'm reading it to myself. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and like I created it, you know, I created it to connect. I created it because I wanted it to be able to impact even if I wasn't there. But kind of I created it for myself too as, as, as like kind of like a blueprint in case I forgot. And so if, if I feel out of sorts every once in a while, like I'll, I'll play a chapter or two and just like listen and be like, oh, you know, like I should apply this to my life. This is really good advice. And I'm like, oh shit, I <laughs> Oh shit, I said that? <laughs> oh, that's me? It's funny how it works, right? And like we forget, it's good to have these reminders, but the the audiobook was really fun and um, and something that, you know, it's part of, of, of book writing, but I would encourage anyone who, you know, has written a book in any format to, to if it's in alignment, to do their own. And if not, then like find a way to contribute to make your fingerprint exist exist on it because people want you, right? Yeah. Like they want to connect with you. And I think, um, David Goggins is a great example for sure. Who did his, he did his, and he really his, does it his, his way. He does it, he does it his way. And he has his, his writer, Adam, like narrate it. And, uh, and then he kind of chimes in and they have a discourse and, um, funny little plug when I showed up in LA to record Eli's, um, audiobook for mask, we went to the studio and the guy who met us outside was like this unassuming guy. He was like super nice. And we went into this huge house and there's multiple recording studios in the house and we sit down and, uh, and we were like, yeah, we kind of want to do like a podcast thing too. And, and, and he was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I've done those before. And, and then we're like, yeah, we kind of want to do it. Cause we were inspired by, by David Goggins one. And he was like, oh, I, I did that one. Oh. And then and he was like, he's, and they actually recorded it in the same studio. We're going to be recording yours in. And, uh, and it was just a cool moment. Full circle sick. Yeah, yeah for sure. It was just like a cool synchronistic kind of thing where we were like, cool. That's just like, you know, the inspiration kind of led to this experience. And it was kind of like a little breadcrumb. Hey, you're on the right path. And, and, and it was fun. But kind of going back, it's like the audiobook is something that I'm very proud of, all three of them. And, uh, and they're different experiences in their own right because they're just different versions of like a different part of my life. And that's why I think I'm really excited about them because I got to literally put my voice to them and the most recent one, not the trilogy, but the, 
the third book, Stage Presence for Life. Um, I actually recorded that while I was in Berlin this um, past year doing um, a yoga event that I was a part of, um, taking like a training. And I would go back every night to my Airbnb and I set up a whole studio in the bathroom. And it took me a while to like deaden the room with like <laughs> with blankets and pillows and, and, shit. and you, there's a picture somewhere online. It's hilarious. But I would go back and I would read chapters and um, I recorded it on the go. And then the book dropped and I sent the audiobook files out to somebody to edit. And then the audiobook came out a month later. But that one's a funny one for me to think back on because I recorded it in a bathroom <laughs> in Berlin in an Airbnb I was staying at and just, you know, you just made it happen. Well, I asked you earlier if you were thinking about maybe if you ever thought about adding on to it. I think, uh, you know, a nice compromise might be instead of having to go through the commitment of writing the fourth installment or whatever, I think as you grow and you reflect on certain things, one of the things I'm seeing happen in like the corporate book writing world where I'm, I'm dealing with like a head of sales major manager for a company that I subcontract to. Mm -hmm. And he just released a book uh, right at the new year. It's for like salespeople for like sales in that workforce. And uh, he has already started kind of prepping this idea of like addendum material that kind of feeds into it as like, so you get the audible, you get the book that goes out. But if you ever get to those places where you're listening to your thing again, and you get this uh, resurgent thought, you can kind of almost release these like anecdotal moments that are updated that you could do in that sort of audible, like you could write it out if you wanted to, if you, if you wanted to put it to a space and then it's essentially like putting out a few, like an, an addendum free page or two that would be added much later with maybe a slightly skewed perspective, but also feeds in the material and functions to do that. I'd love to see something like that as you go along. And I think the people mm, that read your perfect. book would like to see that because it's like, uh, it's, it's not regurgitating the same thing. It's like sharing a new experience with that same thing. Yeah. And that can be a totally different transformative experience in and of itself, especially if you've got people that are mm. longtime fans of reading and having listened to the, the Audible in the first place. Yeah, yeah. you reminded me of uh, the, that, that idea that you know, we're all experiencing life in different ways, but in that experience, the fact that it is different we are unified in that experience. And so like sharing the topics from the books, but like maybe putting like, hey, this is a recent story that happened. And I've been doing that on Facebook a little bit more because I find I have like, the, I have more people that are drawn towards like long long form content like that, where I want to yeah. like share a bunch. And so I'll just like talk about an experience I had at like Home Depot <laughs> and how this lady like totally owned it and helped me out and how she was like adopting that like try me mindset. Right. Right. And so I, I feel you because it's just, you know, we're going to constantly be living, experiencing and, and having more stuff to share and, and maybe relating it to the, an easy way to keep like current again. new life into the material that is like, I right. mean, it's going to stand as like reference for how timeless that work really is over as people can, you know, carry at any point in their journey. So tell me the name of the book, the books and where everybody can find them so that I can put yeah. that out on socials. Yeah, as well. for sure. Um, the, the title is You Are the Rockstar, and uh, that is the branded title of the book series. And there's three books within that. You can check them out on Amazon. That is the best place to get them shipping globally. And if you're interested in the audiobooks, best place to grab those is Audible. And, uh, and if anybody's interested, you can always send me a message on Instagram, Facebook. I prefer Instagram because it's the one that I try to frequent the most. But uh, yeah, I do my best to be open and connect. And so just leave me a comment or drop me a message and stay tuned for a lot more music coming and retreats and uh, some other community-based stuff of um, just connection things online, whether it's like a group that like meets on Zoom or like a coaching call kind of thing, something that's gonna be very organic. And it's not, it's not right now, but I can feel it's gonna come probably within the next like year or two where like, you know, uh, like a grounded place to kind of share from and um, we can talk about 
about ideas, almost like, I guess you could call it like a glorified book club, but then it might also feed into kind of like an online course that then, you know, we might have like support groups and things like that for, but it's just in its idea phase. So just, you know, stay in tune, stay in touch and uh, look forward to connecting. Well, dude, uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to invite me into your home and, and let me set up here and doing this podcast with you. Um, I definitely want to encourage everybody to check out the book. Like this is one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life. And I think it's very, very important that uh, not just that you be more seen and more heard, but that people get the chance to learn in ways they might not get to otherwise. And I think it's easy when people aren't in your world to not know you. And uh, But you're somebody that if they're not in your world, they, they should have you. In. You're a good, <laughs> good person to have in their world. Thanks, bro. Uh, you're one of my Rick Rubens. <laughs> um, well, well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. I'm, um, it's a very um, sacred experience, I think, to like enter art form and co-create with someone. So thank you for inviting me onto the onto the show. I'm happy to be a part. Well, I'm glad you did, dude. Um, just thank you. I don't, don't even have anything else to say. I'm just so fucking grateful. I appreciate it. This is awesome. Uh, I can't wait to look at this in post and be like, "Cool, yeah." Just oh shit, we said all that. He said all that. Send me, uh, send me some little little clips I can share. Oh yeah, that's what the interns are for. They're gonna, they're gonna sit there and do the dirty work. Love it. That is a wrap on another episode of the Collaborate Die podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making this episode for you. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show, the part where I beg you to please hit that like button, subscribe, and turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode. Don't be that guy. Follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. I want this podcast to be wherever you are, whenever you need it, just like a reliable wingman or a comforting bowl of mac and cheese. And don't be shy. Give us a shout out on social media at Collaborate Podcast on all the cool platforms to share your thoughts, your feedback, and your love. Until next time, Collaborate Die, baby.